I'm Jason Tate, and this is Encore. Hey, everybody. I'm back in your podcast feed. Nice to see you again. Over the past few months, I've been talking to a lot of readers and have heard from so many people that say they want to see this podcast return in some form. This is something I'm slowly figuring out how to add back into my life, and I'm going to be playing around with a few different things to see how this might work. My plan is to experiment with longer episodes, shorter episodes, interviews, news hits, and various things to see what works best and what people are responding to. I figure if it's in your feed, you can choose what kind of episode you want to hear and what looks interesting to you. If you haven't visited the website in a while, we've got a brand new design that we launched a few months ago or maybe a few weeks ago. I don't know. Time has no fucking meaning anymore. Uh, But it is a new vision for what I think an online blogging community should be and how it should and can all work together. I put most of that together while in quarantine after the world shut down due to COVID-19. And now that we've got the website up and running, my goal is to focus on content and various content-related things. That includes this podcast. Um, I know that in 2020, a lot of people are getting their music and entertainment news and commentary from places like podcasts, YouTube, and that the written word, which uh, has kind of been my thing for the last two decades, is less in style. So I'm hoping to bridge the two. I love doing this podcast. I just didn't really have the time while also trying to get the website off the ground, and now I've got lots of time to play with various content-related things. People have been talking about how Stratechery does something like this, where they take their regular articles and then they turn them into podcasts. There's additional commentary around those articles. And that's something that uh, I think is interesting and I want to play around with. When COVID hit, it threw the entire world into a state of chaos. And the online advertising industry, never that great or strong to begin with, was also hit hard. We basically saw ad revenue uh, cut in half in the span of a few weeks. So that's not great. But right now, there's not much I can do except put my head down and focus on things I can control. And getting interesting content out is something I can do. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And I'm hoping that not only can it be somewhat of a distraction for me to focus on right now, but something you'll enjoy as well. So we're starting by heading back to 2005, one of my favorite years in pop punk. And I want to look at the state of the music scene and reevaluate the best albums that came out that year. So a couple weeks ago, I was able to recreate and re-add all of the AbsolutePunk.net end-of-the-year lists into our database from about 2005 onward. This hit of nostalgia was paired with me shaking my head not only at the outcome of the staff list, but trying to figure out just what I was thinking about in my lists as well. So for the next few weeks, I'd like to deconstruct some of these lists and add some context and memories I have from that era in the music scene. And this week, I'm starting with what could arguably be one of the most significant years in our little emo pop-punk world, 2005. 2005 was absolutely stacked with albums, and all of these have gone on to be regarded as, you know, sing classics, albums that I still listen to, and albums that helped define the music scene for years to come. So looking at the staff list, which you can find in the show notes, or if you got a fancy podcast player that has chapters, just use the chapter marker. And what I remember most is how much optics and wanting scene credibility came into play in 2005. The arguments about selling out, being too mainstream, or being, quote, too popular ran rampant. This is the most apparent by the lack of Fall Out Boys from Under the Cork Tree anywhere on this list. That was the album that broke the band in the mainstream in a massive way, and that alone left it extremely polarizing in our community, and among staff members at the time. There was this underlying feeling that it wasn't really, quote, cool to like the band anymore, and that the group had strayed too far from the pop-punk roots. That's a trend we're basically going to see repeated with virtually every album release from these guys until the end of time. 
So not only were we using a really flawed system for calculating where albums appeared on the list, something that I've redone now, uh, and you can read all about that new ranking algorithm uh, up on the website, and that includes when we just did our mid-year of 2020 list, which I have up on the site now and in the show notes. So not only were we using that flawed system, but uh, there was also this undercurrent of trying to grab some sort of scene cred and being you know, a little too cool for Fallout Boy. Looking back at my list now, I know that I was influenced by not wanting another round with punknews.org dudes making fun of my love for Fallout Boy. It's funny because it's not like collectively we weren't putting other pop punk albums high on our lists. We've got Cartel, The Starting Line, Panic of the Disco, they're all there. It was just particularly Fallout Boy backlash. And it's one of the most glaring omissions from the 2005 end of the year list for a website that is very much tied in with that band's history. Uh, looking at it now thrice, topping that list, doesn't surprise me. That album hit the website like a fucking freight train. It felt new and exciting, it was loud, it was dense, it felt weighty and important, even at the moment. Looking at the list now, I'm intrigued by the various subgenres within it. Uh, you know, I've always considered 2005 one of the, quote, years of pop punk, but we've also got classic releases here from Sufjan Stevens, Every Time I Die, Nightmare of You, May, A Wilhelm Scream, and Circus Survive. However... I don't know how Jack's Mannequin ended up so low as it did. That one is honestly a mystery to me, because that album not only did seem massive at the time within our little music scene, but it's aged really well, if not better than most of the other albums on here. I also don't know why Motion City Soundtrack's Commit This to Memory doesn't appear anywhere on this list. It's precisely the kind of album that the community and staff were playing that year, but somehow it's just not here. I searched through old emails, trying to see if I could find up with any discussions or any explanation, but I came up empty. You know what else isn't here? All American Rejects Move Along, an album that I see people talking about still. I posted about it on Instagram, what, like two or three days ago for its anniversary. So many different people were coming out of the wordworks talking about how they love that album, one of their favorites of all time. And yeah, I don't know, maybe that also suffered from the same, quote, too popular syndrome of Fall Out Boy. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't even have it on my list, and I was obsessed with that title track's Pot Magic. I think Gatsby's American Dream and Acceptance sitting in the top five here feel the most absolute punk.net-ish to me. Two bands that I never felt were respected or hell even really listened to outside of our community. And who can forget Acceptance's album leaking extremely early? Uh, Scott, paging Scott Weber. And then Sony put the rootkit on the album when it came out. 2005, like that is a sentence. Scott Weber and rootkits. Woo! So 2005 was an interesting one for me as well. It was the year I graduated college, and I was trying to figure out if the website would be something I could do for a living or if I was going to find uh, a real job. I was working out of a small apartment in Southern California and struggling with keeping the servers up while finishing a college degree. This was before smartphones or iPads or even portable enough laptops to take the class. This meant I'd post news in the morning, go to class, visit the computer lab throughout the day to check on things, and then stay up extremely late working on the website. It's hard to remember that there was a time when I couldn't reach into my pocket and see what was going on in the community through a slab of glass, but those years were also some of my favorite. Felt like every few weeks we were getting a new album that everyone was talking about. One week we'd be gushing about this new cartel band and how damn impressive their debut LP was, and the next was full of debates on if Panic at the Disco ripped off Fall Out Boy too much on their new album. In between that, we had Amberlin, The Academy Is, Over It, and countless others putting out records that just reading the titles takes me back to that Southern California apartment and scrolling through my brick of an iPod. So now looking at my personal list, also in the show notes, or if you got chapter art, click it. I'm reminded of how much of a stubborn bastard I was back then. 
Not much has changed. When this bill canvas released one fell swoop, I was enamored with it. It came out in August, and somewhere on the website, I declared it was going to be my album of the year. I was mocked and made fun of for making such a declaration so early. Uh, I've since learned that the right way to go about this is you say something is a, quote, album of the year contender, and then it gives you so much more wiggle room. But again, stubborn bastard. In my defense, I didn't know that Thrice was going to do that in October, though. At the time, the change my life was going through, relationships, friendships, the end of college, I don't know. There was something about that Spill Canvas album and that year that tied them together for me. Of course, in October, Thrice released a behemoth of an album, one that I ended up calling, quote, perfect, and I was forced to make a decision for what I was going to call my album of the year. I could have gone 1A and 1B, but again, stubborn bastard. Uh, I stuck with my original proclamation. All these years later, the memory of that kind of makes it okay for me. Looking at my old list now, what stands out the most are the memories I have with these albums in the era of music. This is the soundtrack to my graduation. This is the soundtrack to me starting out on my own and beginning the journey to adulthood. These are the songs of Too Much to Drink, Colossal Mistakes, and Best Friendships, of walks in the orange groves, days in the sun, and nights in front of a red-themed V-bulletin held together by duct tape and paper clips. The songs of a downstairs neighbor that once tried to invite me into his apartment by showing me some creepy-ass knife replica and saying he knew how to get the, quote, good porn on LimeWire. Yeah. That happened. The songs of breakups, goodbyes, and loneliness. The songs I'd play at parties just itching for someone to ask me, hey, who is this? So I could introduce them to a new band and make a mental note of what was resonating with my friends. So after all these years, what would I change? Well, yeah, I'm going to put Visu at the top of the list this time. You know, I'm a stubborn bastard, just older now, but when I re-rank the list, I have to think about the albums I spent the most time with in the past 15 years. That has to play a role. What was I thinking at the time is captured in that original list, and I'm coming at this with 2020 eyes. I have a superpower of knowing what I listened to and what stayed with me for the next decade. After much deliberation, here's my re-ranking. If you want to read all of these, I've made the list, the artwork for podcast players that support it. The link is also in the show notes or as a chapter link. Number one, Thrice Visu. Number two, a William a Wilhelm Scream, Ruiner. Number three, Fallout Boy from Under the Cork Tree. Four, Jack's Mannequin, Everything in Transit, Acceptance, Phantoms, Cartel, Chroma, Nightmare View, self-titled, Days Away, Mapping an Invisible World, number nine, Death Cab for Cutie, Plans, All American Rejects, Move Along, Motion City Soundtrack, Commit This to Memory, Copeland, In Motion, great album, Panic of the Disco, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, Bright Eyes, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, 15, Minus the Bear, Menace El Oso. 16, The Starting Line, Based on a True Story. 17, Armor for Sleeps, What to Do When You're Dead. 18, Spill Canvas, One Fell Swoop. 19, Propagandi, Potemic City Limits. 20, Ladderman, No Matter Where We Go. 21, Sufjan Stevens, Illinois. Imogen Heap, Speak for Yourself. The Academy Is, Almost Here. Gatsby's American Dream, Volcano. 25, Limbeck, Let Me Come Home. 26, Alkaline Trio, Crimson. Over It, Silverstrand, Isley, Room Noises, 29, The Receiving End of Sirens, Between the Heart and the Synapse, 30, Spittlefield, Stop Doing Bad Things. The arbitrary rules that I made up to start with sticking to 30 albums. That means a lot of excellent stuff is still going to be left off the list. That's just how it goes when there's a cutoff, and there are probably 50 plus incredible albums to choose from. Cutting Circus Survive and Coheed is ridiculous, but I had to make hard choices, reflecting where I've come down on these albums after 15 years. I also am allowing myself to add a few things that weren't on the original list, but trying to stay relatively true to what I was listening to at the time, and not grab stuff I discovered and fell in love with much later. So, something like Fiona's Apple Extraordinary Machine, discovered it way later in life, 
unfortunately, not going to make the list. The end result puts Thrice at the top and drops the spill canvas all the way down to 18. That album did mean a lot to me at the time. There's absolutely no denying that, but I haven't listened to it in years. A Wilhelm Scream sees a giant climb into the number two spot and may actually be the album I return to the most from this entire list. Fall Out Boy also sees a rise. From Under the Cork Tree is a classic of the genre, and I care a whole lot less about anyone making fun of me for saying it. It's earned that status. It's followed by Jack's Mannequin being elevated to a top five spot, and it being one of the perfect summer albums makes that a relatively easy call. The rest of my top ten is rounded out with records I continue to listen to and find joy from to this day. Acceptance, Cartel, Death Cab, Nightmare Review, they all still feel fresh to me. Songs that I would fall in love with just as quickly if they were released today. Days Away, they stay in the top ten too. And that's probably the most underrated and most forgotten band from this entire era. And I have to put the All-American Rejects in the number 10 spot. They didn't make my list the first time, but time has spoken. I struggled with leaving off every time I die. I rediscovered over its Silver Strand and Spittlefield's Stop Doing Bad Things. I can't believe more people don't listen to Limbeck. Uh, with the eyes of hindsight, I don't even think about the panic sounding like Fall Out Boy arguments anymore. And I realize I just really like that album and what they were doing with it. Minus the bear drop a tad, but that's still probably my favorite album from them. Uh, you know, long live Ladderman. If you haven't listened to that band, do. I could sit down and go through all of these albums a hundred times and reorder them a hundred and one different ways. How I'm feeling on a random Wednesday could impact the slide or climb of virtually all of these albums, five spots in either direction. That's the fun part about ranking albums and thinking about the music within. You know what? I'll remember 2005 for a lot of things, but I'll never be able to think about that year without thinking about the music that soundtracked it. It's burnt into my brain in such a way that they are forever intertwined. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Let me know what you think of this format. Let me know if you think this is something that works or doesn't work. And we're going to keep playing around and see if there's other ways to do different things with the podcast. But this is the first thing we're doing. We're trying this. Encore is produced by Chorus.fm. This podcast is made possible in part by our supporting membership program. If you like this podcast and you want to see it continue, please sign up at Chorus.fm slash support. You'll get a bunch of perks on the website, but the main thing you'll be doing is making sure this podcast and website can keep existing. Thank you for listening.